You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Sid Talk, hello. Hello. Hello, listeners. Hello. Who are the listeners? The I whole just world. Want to know. I just want to know. Not people. Who are these people? Not the people on Spotify. They're not listening. <laughs> oh, get off. That was the before the after the show discussion, which wasn't really a two-way discussion. It was you complaining about Spotify. Yeah, I would like and to... And me uh, just sitting here listening. I would like to add my podcast to Spotify, but uh, from the little automated email that they sent me back, it said that I have to... My podcast has to, one, appeal to millennials, <laughs> and two... What was the other thing? Be t- be a technical uh, about tech. And three, tell a story. So that counts us out, Sid Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I tell don't... a story every time I open my mouth. <laughs> Who are they talking about? So uh, who knows? I'll get it on there eventually. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep ramming it down their throats until they finally take it. Charming. Um so what is this show? Sid Talk, what is this? the show. Yes, this is after the show. We are a movie review podcast. You wouldn't know it, though, if you listen to a lot of it. The beginning doesn't sound like it. The end doesn't sound like it. It was just squished that talking about a movie in the middle there. Just so happens that the talking about the movie bit is the longest part. And if they want to talk about telling a story, we tell the story of our lives. If you follow us every week, then you find out, I don't know, what we eat, what games you're playing, what movies we're watching, if we what's have annoying a me, when people pass away, when things happen in the world. We keep you updated. We do. So like, screw you, Spotify. <laughs> oh, that, there's our chances gone. <laughs> yeah, they're going to listen to this one. It means like some lady there is like, okay, I'm going to listen to this list now. Oh, they hate us. Fine. Yeah. They're okay. banned. They're barred. All right, so um, it is Saturday, November the 11th. Try Which, saying. Uh, yeah, the 11th sounds like very recently some other big date happened. I don't it did, know. The, the 10th. And then the 9th and the 8th before. and the 7th, which was my 50th birthday. And you had a nice, Woo! quiet, relaxing day making cake, making some cakes. I did. I mean, while well, making cookies, just to update everybody, here's some more of the life story. Having a 50th birthday party coming up in a couple of weeks because my best friend slash cousin is also 50 this month. We were born only two weeks apart. So I'm having a big party. She had breast cancer a few years ago, and now I'm just glad she's not dead. So we're celebrating in a big kind of way. So I'm making cookies that are going to look like mixed tapes from the 80s. So I've been experimenting. I've never used fondant before, so I'm learning all that. And I'm making baby cookies to celebrate all the new babies in the family. So yeah, that's what I did on my birthday. Just did whatever I wanted, which is basically my favorite thing to do. All right, so back to the movie review podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, so um, it is Saturday, November the 11th. It is after the show number 505. The movie we're looking at this week is Cars 3. It's a 2017 movie released on Blu-ray on November the 7th. 2017. Yeah. So a happy birthday to you Thanks. from the they, team. They at must Disney. have known. The team at Disney Pixar wish you a happy birthday. It's rated G, and uh, in my research on this movie, I did see that this is the only G-rated movie in the year 2017. 
So we um, don't really cater for the little G audience, do we? Anymore. Doesn't we're a bit like too. It. We're too edgy. Yeah. So this is from our friends at Disney, and Sid Talk is going to give you the synopsis of Cars Three. Uh, we've got uh, McQueen. What's his first name? Speed. Lightning. Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have seen all of Steve movies. McQueen. Steve McQueen. Yep. Lightning McQueen is back uh, for a new romp on the track, and now he's getting old, and he's getting pushed out by the youngsters, <clears throat> millennials, which is really, you know, it's just the way it works. And um, sort of the adventure of that, and a story about having confidence to follow your dreams. True. It's very so- Disney. It's very, yes. yeah, it's very Disney, and it's also very uh, Pixar sequel. Like, when you get round to the third movie in a franchise, like Toy Story, it's about growing up and... Letting go. And moving on, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And this is no exception. Yeah. So, let me uh, go back in time. We The original Cars, how did that rank for you in the Pixar? Was it, did you like that one a lot? Did you... I did like Cars a lot, yes. Yeah, I did too. I liked the original Cars. I thought it was really sweet. It had like a really, like, kind of... It's like a Do love... you rank the Pixar movies? Have you got a list in your head I about do, yeah. which order they're... <laughs> and? Now, Cars um, didn't do particularly well, the first one, uh, you know, commercially. But what that actually means is they probably made a, a gazillion dollars, but it was a slightly less than Toy Story. But um, then Cars 2 came around six years after that. And Cars 2, I was just saying to you earlier, it almost feels like something else. Like... They were trying too hard. Yeah. Like Cars and Cars 3. If you... They feel... Cars 3 feels like a sequel to Cars 1. Where Cars 2 feels like this spin-off thing. Because in Cars 2, they all became international spies. And it was like a... Like a... What do you call it? Where you're making fun of something. Like Austin Powers is making fun of spoof, Bond. like yeah, yeah, almost like a Bond, Mission Impossible kind of spoof thing, which doesn't meet your high standards of animated film films. So <laughs> no, so that second Cars, I, I didn't love it. I thought it was a bit like too trying to add, and it needed to go back to its roots. And this one really does go back to the roots. It's, I would say, um. It's like a love letter kind of to, obviously to cars and uh, motorsport in general, but America as well. Like it, it goes all over, you know, uh, there's a scene in this movie that I loved and it's not really a scene that involved any dialogue or anything. Oh, I did too, where and, they go, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Florida. Yep. Yeah. They drive in the big truck where Lightning McQueen gets loaded into the big truck and it, it does its journey to Florida from wherever they are. What they, where is it where they call it's a fictitious place anyway, isn't it? Something mm-hmm. springs where they live. Um, and it's this journey across America, and you see, like in like in a montage type of thing, all the different states as they go through there. And you get the snowy and the desert. And Full disclosure, you do love uh, Truck Simulator. <laughs> I do. And, <laughs> so and you would have loved to have just driven around the Pixar world. Because it looks truck. so good. Like cars, they, this... I said to you, there are scenes, obviously when you see the cars in the scenes, it doesn't look real because the cars are kind of cartoonish because they've got eyes and mouths. But when you see sometimes the cars from the back and the the actual place rendered version of America that they're in looks like a real place. When they're riding along the beach, 
doing that training sequence. It's just like there are, it's like it's a real beach with some CG cars in it. It's so good that the, um, what do you call it? Graphics? The CGI, the computer generated graphics? Yeah, it's got to such a level where it's, sometimes you have to go, wow, is that just a real, did they, is that a real street with these cars just put in there? You know, it looks so, like the lighting and everything is so good. So, what did you uh, think of the story here? Let go over the story a little. I did like the story. We have, of course, it means the same story. Yeah. You've got the same exact story every time, in fact. You've got a racer who's kind of maybe down and out and having to try a little harder, overcoming a something, which this time is him again, uh, Mr. Steve McQueen. And we have someone who comes along who's trying to motivate and get him over the hump. And what happens is a little spoiler a little reversal where this young car comes along who's supposed to be training him because he's competing with all these new, fast, high-technology cars. And she's like, come on, come on, come on, old man, right? Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, he, it's the mentor, mentee. Are you a mentee? No, I don't think so. The person being mentored situation. And it (laughs) flips around a bit and it gets to where he's the old timer for real passing along his knowledge and inspiration and it's really just about well like you said toy story 3 where you're passing along like you got to give up on some things and it's not lightning mcqueen being like i can race forever it's like hmm we have to learn to pass this along to yeah someone he, else. he's like a moment where he realizes where the, the moment where he's in the race and he's like, you know, I love how, how he looks, he, how enthusiastic he is. And wh- when he puts that face on us, determination, reality, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to beat this guy. And then he realizes, no, I can't beat these new guys. They're, they're just better. They're built better than me. They've got. And I don't have it in me anymore. Right. So, and yeah, so it does have some kind of, like all Pixar do, it didn't bring a tear to my eye or anything. I don't think it. Did for you either, did it? A couple of things. Like Toy Story 3 clearly did, right? It really tugs on your heartstrings. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't, don't think this really does, apart from it's got a really nice message. It's also got a bit of a female empowerment message, but not like... I don't know if it's necessarily female empowerment. I think it's more subtle than that. It's more like if you are discouraged... At all. If like you step into a, a job or a place or a circumstance where you are the underdog of any type. No one should be able to tell you you don't belong there. I mean, it depends on the circumstance, of course. Like, if I jumped into an Olympic swimming pool and said, I'm going to the Olympics with y'all next time. And I'm not going to train and I'm not going to do anything. Because I have every right to be here. That's not what we're talking about. It's about being ostracized or pushed out because someone's already established what they think are the rules for a thing and that you don't belong wherever you are. But if you do belong and you can do it, then do it. That's it. Don't let somebody else decide for you, which is another theme in the movie. He, you know, the idea is that the industry is deciding for him that it's time for him to retire. And he's saying, I want to decide for myself. Right. You can't push me out until I'm done. True. And all these whippersnappers come along and make <laughs> it difficult for him to stay in the race. But um yeah, it starts with him in this big in this big race. Um 
And Many races, yeah. <clears throat> this part isn't really a spoiler because the trailer for this movie, like a year ago, which came out, kind of showed you this part. And I thought the trailer was really effective because the trailer shows you, you know, the part where he crashes. Mm-hmm. It shows you just that, those moments, like literally like 30 seconds where he's going into the corner and then he cra- and then it shows you the crash. And then it says Cars 3, everything's, everything will change or something. And it made it seem really <laughs> ominous, ca- ominous um, dark, and also like more grown up than other Cars movies. And I'm sure like that trailer might have put some parents off. Like it might not have made it seem very kid friendly because it seemed really real. Like I disagree. You know? Nah, I think. I mean, even the animation of that sequence. How many Disney movies have dead parents and dead characters that we have to just accept that they're dead? It is a thing that but yeah. this, but generally the trailers at least show you some fun and games. This one was really a grim trailer, you know. But um, I thought that sequence was really effective in this movie. But on the flip side of that, right after that sequence, where it could have got really kind of a little bit heavy and like visited somewhere like the movie Up does a little bit at the beginning, mm-hmm. it doesn't really, it's not heavy at all, is it? It's instantly like, oh, we're fine. We're back. <laughs> you know? So I know, I know it's like a, um, you know, it's, it's a G-rated movie to appeal to everybody. But um, I thought it was going to get dark for a second. And it does for a second, but then not. So, um, yeah, I thought the story was good. Um, I almost... Towards the end, um, Lightning McQueen becomes, like like you said earlier, the, he becomes like, yeah, here's a car joke, the backseat driver. <laughs> and uh, Cruz, who's the new Cruz Ramirez... She's the uh, yeah the one that you just talked about, and she really becomes the focus of the thing. Almost, if there was a fourth cast, which there probably would be, that she could be the lead, and not Lightning. Lightning could be the, you know, old mentor guy. What do you think? That is what it is. You I mean, think, that's exactly what it is. You think if there was a fourth, she would be absolutely. Well, I don't know if she would be it, but he's definitely going to be the mentor. Yeah, he's going to be the Paul Newman character. Who I thought was Burt Reynolds. Yeah, that's sure Burt Reynolds wasn't in some of thing. Burt Reynolds might have been in Cars, but not as that character. <laughs> he might have been like a Texas thing or something. I don't know. I gotta look it up now. But I, I think I'm just. <laughs> I think I'm just imagining that Burt Reynolds could be a Cars character because I could see it, like you know. But uh, yeah, Paul Paul Newman actually died um, after, just after Cars two. But they actually bring him back in this movie, not from the dead, exactly. No, just remembering, like flashbacks. But it's kind of, it's one of those things like where they, like with the Paul Walker thing in... No, it wasn't. In Fast and Furious, where they do like a little tribute, but it's like not a clear tribute. It's part of the film. They're kind of doing that here with Paul Newman. Do you not agree with that? Nope. The, that whole all. sequence where they're talking about him and how he remembers him and there's he's some just, dialogue from him. He's just remembering his mentor. I didn't really read much more into it. Uh, see, I was I was totally thinking, well, Paul Newman died. so And then I was like, where did they get this stuff from? So that's why I had to go and look it up. And what happened was they um, recorded loads of stuff with Paul Newman because um, Lassiter was really fascinated with his... Paul Newman was actually a racing driver, if you don't know. That's the reason he got involved with cars. That's why they asked him. And uh, 
He told a lot of stories about racing, but just off microphone. Not off microphone, on microphone, but not for the recording of Cars 2. And they kept all that, and he actually spliced a bunch of that stuff. I think stuff they did the same thing for the car guys from NPR Radio. Right. The brothers, one of them that passed away a few years ago, but they were both, sounded the, like them both. What's that show they do called? Something Garage? Car Talk. Oh, Car Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Right, true. They are actually, they do make a little appearance in this, but were you saying that it was just dialogue spiced up as well? It sounded like it to me. So, um, yeah, I, th- I liked it. It doesn't, if this was going to be a trilogy, it doesn't feel like a rounding off of it, which I didn't, I thought they could have rounded it off better, but I assume they've got, do you think they've got another one in the pipeline? I don't know. I mean, how much more inspirational can you get, you know? Yeah. Do you remember, with the thing is, I know there's going to be Toy Story 4 next year, but when Toy Story 3 came out, as far as they were concerned, that was the end of Toy Story 3. They And they, I thought it had a really effective ending, like the end of being a kid. And it was, it was almost perfect, that ending, right? Yeah. It was like the end of Toy Story to me. And yes, they're going to make another one, and it's quite clear they'll pass the the toys on to another kid, but it just felt like the end of Andy's childhood. Just when you think, though, that you can't tell the same story again. We, that's all we tell, are the same stories so over and over. Like, yeah, give it your best. Don't be too sad. Overcome the terrible things. Grow up. <laughs> grow up. Move on. Yeah. Get over it. Uh, you know. And Pixar, not just Pixar, Disney also animation is generally messages of you know even like the lion king aladdin all those messages of family and doing the right thing and you know how to overcome the death of somebody those kind of things aren't they you know but but inserted into a fun cartoon and this is no exception it's got those kind of you know one of the funny uh, one of the funniest things of this whole uh, movie for me was there's a sequence in the middle where they go to like a destruction derby track yeah, really good. And it's really muddy, like, because, uh, and the car, you know, it's Steve McQueen, <laughs> Lightning McQueen, is disguised by, like, just having mud all over him so nobody can tell it's hit that car, even though it's exactly the same shape as that car. You would, it's like Supergirl putting a glasses yeah, exactly. on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, he's there in disguise, basically, and he didn't realize it's a destruction derby, thinks it's just a normal race. Turns out it's a destruction derby, and him and Cruz are in this destruction derby, and it's really funny. It's it's got some really cool characters. It's a bit Mad Maxy at times, you know, with the explosions yeah, and the yeah, and the mud. It actually made me want to go to one of them. I imagine the I imagine that they smell bad. That was my thought of watching it. Well, like it smells of petrol. Stuff? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but it, it's it's kind of like Mad Maxy almost, like. And the the school bus was kind of this cool school bus with like flames on it, and uh, I thought it was a really cool sequence. Um, and it was kind of a bit of light hearted relief in the middle of the movie where they go off on this adventure. Uh, so, yeah, in ge- as far as the Cars movie goes, Cars movies go. It's a huge step up from Cars two. And it feels to me like an exact, like the actual sequel to Cars. So if you loved Cars and didn't really like Cars 2 very much, which I hear a lot, that people thought Cars 2 was a bit off the beaten track. (laughs) 
Well, but, uh, I feel like this is the fun. this is the actual sequel to the first movie. It's spiritually the same. It's almost the same story. It is the same story. Yeah, well, there is... Because in the first one, he has a wreck, he gets stuck out in the place, and he can't get back to where he needs to be, and then they they love him into his coming back, he gets inspired, and then he comes back and kicks ass. And now, what are we doing? He gets injured, somebody else is down and out, he gets inspired and inspires someone else to kick ass. That is true. Okay, so it's the same movie, so... <laughs> However, it's the same... Like, I could say... You could say, well, give up then. I'm never watching another movie because they're all... We're all telling the same human stories. But, you know, when you do it well, it's yeah. entertaining, it's fun, and, you know, it never hurts to have a little inspiration in your life. And it definitely looks amazing. Like, it, like their animation always is a step up every time, I think. Like, I saw a clip from the original Toy Story the other day, and I was like... When we saw that, we were just absolutely blown away. Do you remember the first time you saw the original Toy Story? You was like, holy crap, look what they can do. When you look at that first one now, it's like video games. When you go back and look at an older video game and you think it looked really awesome, it's not quite because the improvements come so much over 15, 20 years. You know, like this is almost like you could touch them. They look like plastic Definitely. Cars life, are running yeah. around. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing how far they've come. Computers, when I was computers a kid. Computers are great. When I was a kid, the computers could only, like, draw a black line on the screen. <laughs> People are laughing, but that's actually true. <laughs> yeah, it's, that is true. <laughs> like, I remember playing a version of Pac-Man on the ZX81, where the maze was full stops, you know, for the dots. yeah. And it was, you know, that that line. There's a line, isn't there, uh, in punctuation? The bottom one and the side one. The maze was made out out of those, and the Pac-Man itself was just the letter C that moved. <laughs> and uh, that was that was how it was back in the day. And look where we are now. We've so, come so far. So moving on to the cast, uh, Owen Wilson returns as Lightning McQueen. What do you think of Owen um, here? I mean. We're same. talking about voice acting. It's same. He's really good though, isn't it he? It is in good, this role? but it's the same. It's very. He's very distinctive. It's. I see his face when he's talking, which is weird. I can actually see Owen Wilson saying it. Um, but yeah, I. I. He really gives personality to that car, and uh, I like it. Cristela Alonso is the Cruz Ramirez, who happens to ends up being almost the star of the show. What do you think of her? She's a comedian, by the way. Yeah, but she was good. I liked her, uh, you know, it was not too try hard, but her character was supposed to be, you know, a coach, like a inspirational, yeah, like a personal coach at a, at a gym, which could have gone over the top, but I think she did a good job. And then when she had to be kind of sad and down, she was just right. And, and there was it. the, there was the fun, uh, when they did the mud figure of eight mud um, race. Yeah. Well, I just told like she was actually into it at the end. She was like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, Nathan Fillion plays Sterling. Nathan Fillion, you will know as the uh, captain from Firefly. And the guy who, what was he in recently that we watched? Santa Clarita Diet. She attacked him. In oh, the, yeah. She was yeah. The, he was like an asshole. She attacked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nathan Fillion plays Sterling, who's, um, is the agent, isn't he? Like he's the, He's the owner of Who the... Who is he? He plays... Who's the actor? Nathan Fillion. 
the okay. the captain from Firefly. Oh yeah, yeah. He plays Sterling. The um, it's like the silver. He's the owner of the. They bought out the Rusty's brothers, who are actually the car talk guys. Yeah. And yes, they. It doesn't have the other brother on there. It has one brother, Maglazioni. Mags. I forget their names now. But um, he bought them up so that now they can have. A racing he can have team. a big uh, training center where there's like a simulator and all that stuff instead of going out on the dirt track, you know. And Nathan Fillion's like, he's actually like one of those corporate assholes, really. He's like, he's not interested in you. He's interested in making you a brand. Correct. He's interested in what money they can make from you. You don't seem to really matter. Nah. In fact, with Cruz as well, he was kind of like, no, you go back to work, go and be a secretary in my building. You'll never be a race no, driver. No, she was the coach. Yeah, I mean, go go back and be um, go back and do your work in the in the office building. Don't come. You know, the track isn't a place for you. In fact, they weren't trying to be like you're a woman, you can't race. But there was an undertone of that, weren't they? After seeing the extras. Yes. But they weren't being heavy-handed with it. They were kind of. I mean, it would you could feel the guitar heavy-handed, you know, if you look at it a certain way, but I thought it was done well. So Nathan Fillion was a good choice, I thought, for that guy, because he comes across with it. He's got a bit of snack to him, and that character was uh, like that. Chris Cooper plays Smokey. We all know Chris Cooper. And, you know, I can't rate voice acting a lot of the time. Can you? Mm. I mean, there are there are, like, wooden, you know... People who just nobody in these things though, in these Pixar things, everybody always, to me, is nobody ever. I go, oh, that sounds really bad. No, never. They choose the right people. Larry the Cable Guy plays Mater again. That one maybe I could do without. (laughs) See, see, I think I think Mater's a really good character. He's like a funny character, but I feel like he was underused in this one. Like he's, you know, he's. I can only handle so much, so I was happy with the amount. He's a pretty big deal, though, isn't he, in the Cars franchise? Like, he, like you think of him. We yeah, always... What else can he do except be funny and, like, save the day with some dumb thing that he does? Yeah, I mean... well, I expected a bit more of him, and there was quite little of him, to be honest. And then, finally, I put down Army Hammer, who plays Jackson Storm, who is the... the jerk. Yeah, he's the uh, new, you know, fast... Um, electrically, he's not fully electric, but he's got the electric and the and the petrol thing going, so he goes a bit faster. He's technology car, and he's a jerk. Yeah, he uh, mm-hmm. he, he just he when he's driving past you, he tries to get inside your head and make you lose. Uh, I thought he was perfect. I could tell it was him immediately when he opened his mouth. He's got a very distinctive kind of a posh accent, you know. He's kind of a posh American accent, right? <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't hear him that way, but hey. But, um, I thought he was perfect for the, uh, jerky, you know. Nemesis. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he is the, uh, if you've ever seen, uh, Talladega Nights, he's like the, um, Borat character. Why would you use that movie for anything ever? Talladega it's like the Nights. the worst movie ever. Talladega Nights Ugh. is the live action version of Cars, pretty much. It's, ter- it's the same no, story. No, but you're saying that it's good then? It's no, I'm crap. not saying it's good. I'm saying it's the I'm saying It's in- seriously so bad I didn't even watch it. Sasha Baron Cohen in Talladega Ugh. Nights is pretty much Army Hammer in this movie. It's the, I wouldn't even give it that much credit. It's the same kind of bad guy. 
It's directed by Brian Fee. This is his first film. Uh, John Lasseter did not direct this one. Um, but Brian Fee's been on the Pixar, you know, he's not been a director, but he's been like a producer, different things on the Pixar movies. Um, again, it's really difficult to rate a director on an animated movie, right? Because um, an animated yeah. movie is a team of... A lot of people, a as lot. we saw from watching the credits, yes. So you can't put anything down to one person or say, well... That but was... you are the person that holds it all together. Right. So, and it, you know. And it, you know, we don't know whether it was held together. We don't know how, tra- how, bad, it, how bad the production was or how good. So, uh, But as far as it being cohesive with the cars, with the first cars, I think it is. It fits perfectly. You could watch them back to back even. I would watch one and three back to back. And miss two out, I think. Because uh, I think they make a good story. Like. Yeah. Um, so extras on this uh, Blu-ray. You get quite a few, actually. There's a separate disc full of extras. So it's, it's like a three-disc set. Um, you get the short film Lou. Now, always it's a tradition on Pixar movies that you get the short film. What did you think of Lou? It was cute. It was cuter than I thought it would be at the start. And then, but it really didn't, I don't know, it didn't grab me Yeah, the way that some have, but it was very sweet. Again, sweet is the word of the day. And again, technically, it was very impressive, I thought. There was some really fast-moving stuff and, like, uh, there was... Um, and there's always a lesson to be learned. Don't be a bully. Yeah, that was what this one was about. Yeah. Um, they, it, it's basically, um, they lost and found box on a playground... The, the items inside it become a, a thing, like like a moving thing, which uh, gives the bully some problems. So, uh, yeah, um, Lou, it's on there. It's really cool looking. There's also Cruz Ramirez, the yellow car that could. And as always with Pixar things, they the extras on the Blu-rays are a bit more grown up, I think. They don't talk down to you like you're a kid. Like they like they you assume thought, all you thought one 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 of them would be. But I did, and that turned out to be a little short film. But when they actually do the extras, this extra about Cruise, for instance, it's not like, "Hey kids, let's show you how Cruise was made." It's not like that. It's actually more grown up, and you get to look inside the studio. That voice you just did is terrifying. And that's the kind of voice you get on those. We've seen some extras on animated films that are like, "Oh my god, what is happening here?" It's like. It's like I'm one year old and they're talking to me, right? Remember, there was one in particular we watched. Uh, But this one's more, it's proper Pixar. They're taking you around the studio. They're talking to the women in Pixar about how how this character, they went around and kind of based it on different women in in there. Um, There's Generations, the story of Cars 3. My First Car, which which is the Pixar people uh, saying, you know, which... Everybody has had a first car and what was theirs. Legendary, world's fastest billboard, deleted scenes, and a commentary. So there is a bunch of extras. And uh, it's the ultimate collector's edition that we're looking at. I'm sure there are other versions, but on this ultimate version you get these three discs. So, um, in conclusion, on Cars 3, said Talk. I liked it. I did too. It's a big step up from Cars 2. And I'm glad about that because... Cars 2 wasn't bad. You were just saying it just wasn't as emotional or interesting. I also didn't... It didn't really do much for me. It was... I was like... I liked Cars 1 quite a bit. 
and then watched Cars 2 and was like, oh, they've they've not done what I want with it. Well, damn them for not doing exactly what Like, Toy Story 2 was just right for me, and then Toy Story 3 was really brilliant. Um, but with Cars, I felt like it was... I don't know what happened. It was weird. But anyway, they're back on form with Cars, and I'm sure we will see Cars again in the future. Do you think? I don't think it's going anywhere, do you? No, I agree. Um, I mean, it depends. They might be doing a little side things or, like you say, straight to whatever it's called. Straight to video type yeah. things, yeah. Like Planes, for instance. There is a spin-off from Cars called Planes that is straight to Blu-ray. There is a movie on its own, and it's it's, it's in the Cars universe, but it's Planes. Um, but most people don't see that because it never gets in the theaters. So... Um, yeah, I, I actually think it was a very well... I love to see what Pixar are up to technologically. And every time it always impresses me. And this time, you know, when we always when they're always like, oh, here's something we had to learn. I think it was mud for this one and sand, possibly. Because sand would be difficult too, wouldn't it? That, bit that where mud they, looked pretty good. Yeah, it did. And it, it kind of moved and like, it, you know, it's like globby, like it had some weight to it. So um yeah, I um recommend cars. And if you've if you've got kids and they love Pixar movies It's I'm a sure, no brainer. I'm sure it is, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've already owned it. So thanks to Disney, and uh, if you want to enter a contest, uh, we have a couple of contests going on this week on AceGlue.com. You can win a copy of Atomic Blonde, the movie we reviewed last week. I liked it. Yep. Go to AceGlue.com, you can win a Blu-ray. Um and also you can win a copy of Kidnap with a uh, another movie from Universal. Go to aceclear.com. You can enter that one. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Wind River, uh, which is from the director of Hell or High Water from last year, which mm. was a very awesome movie. So Very, very awesome. So let's see how he follows that up with Wind River. Uh, we'll look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on the subject of Cars 3. I went and had a look through Owen Wilson's films. And while I could, like, recommend you, um, you know, Life Aquatic, he isn't really the star of that. So I looked, I was looking, I was looking, and there's a movie called Behind Enemy Lines, which he was actually the star of. It was when he was right at the height of his fame. And uh, it's a really cool action movie. And I always remember that sequence where he has to go across that minefield. Yep. And it's really filmed really interestingly. Uh, so I recommend Behind Enemy Lines starring Owen Wilson. And the second one, I was thinking of cool race car movies. And I was thinking of Days of Thunder. Excuse you. I was thinking of Days of Thunder and I was thinking of um, Fast and the Furious. But then I thought of this movie by the Wachowski brothers, who were the brothers back then, called Speed Racer, which has a lot in common with cars, I think. Because it was all CG. Not all CG. There's live actors in it. But the car racing was CG. And it's really colourful. And it's really intense. Did you like Speed Racer? Not really. Did you not think it was like some spe- uh, no. spectacle? No. I thought it was kind of boring and trying too hard. I thought it was really, really fun. And I was even thinking of watching it again. So, uh, yeah, Speed Racer, I would recommend to you. What are you going to recommend? I'm going to recommend a couple of movies that I forgot to watch for Halloween. So we're going back to Halloween movies. And I do like the original Cabin Fever, which we watched when it 
was out originally. I forget the year, but not the remake that was just made this past year. Wasn't that remake weird? It was a little bit weird that they remade it already because it's only been like five years. And also, it was the remake by the guy. Who, I yeah, mean, exactly. It was, it was it, and was, it wasn't better. No, it was just different. But um, Cabin Fever, the leg shaving—that's the one that gets me every time. And it's gross, and it's it's like uh, that kind of movie, claustrophobic. You're trapped. You can't do anything about something horrible happening. I like those scenarios. And the other one is Cabin in the Woods. We got double cabin here. Uh, cabin in the Woods is. I knew nothing about it, so I'm not going to say anything about it. Just watch it if you like. Don't say anything about it. I was going to say, most people didn't know anything about it. Yeah. So, just watch it if you like uh, Halloween-type movies. But don't watch it with the kids. The um, Not saying anything about it, but the interesting part about Cabin in the Woods was um, Chris Helmsworth, who plays Thor, is in it. Yeah. <laughs> and Before he was Thor. Yeah. they ma- it, Something happened with Cabin in the Woods. They made the film two years prior to it coming out. And it got shelved because of some. It was like the Miramax thing, whatever was going on, where they, where that company like split up. Yeah, Miramax became the Weinstein Company, and that movie got shelved until some, you know, they could solve the rights issue with it. But during all that time, Chris Helmsworth became Thor, and then when it came out, it was like, oh, Chris Helmsworth's in it. Like it probably helped them, didn't it? Because it had like this huge star in it who wasn't a star. No. When it was made, so yeah, go and watch that. It is a really good horror film. It is. Really fun. Um, games and A Scully stuff. I've been playing a couple of cool games this week. Number one would be Need for Speed Payback, which is the new Need for Speed game, which came out this week. Um, now, I've been, it's been getting a lot of bad reviews. I've been seeing like four out of fives and three out of five, uh, four out of ten, sorry, and three out of ten. But I wouldn't go as... The problem with Need for Speed franchise is it, it's got progressively worse over the years. Um, EA don't seem to know what racers like. And they keep trying to make it so it's like a, a, a bigger story every year or make the story a bit better, make, make it have a cool story. They seem to be really focused on that story thing. But like the really, really fun part of Need for Speed is the open world and running around and finding all the collectibles. You know, it's like a car game, but with an open world. And in this game, the open world is the most fun part of it again. There are, like, loads of things to do in the open world. You mean the racing part? Well, it's not really even racing the open world bit. It's driving around and exploring. Like, there's a big giant map. It's it's Las Vegas this time. And it's giant. And you can go, you know, you can go from the strip in Las Vegas all the way through the mountains and like up into the canyons. And and it's a giant map. And all over the map is collectibles. There are hidden cars that you can collect. There are casino chips. There's a hundred of them that you have to find. They're kind of big glowing casino chips. And there are uh, billboards. Uh, there's a hundred billboards all over the map that you have to smash your car through. And those become like a puzzle because because some of the uh, billboards are really, really high up and you have to figure out how to get to them or have a fast enough car that you can jump off a ramp and smash through them. So what all that reminds me of that open world, and it's not really racing. It's like exploring and finding things. And I can spend hours doing that stuff, looking on the map, trying to find stuff, you know, driving on all the roads. That's the fun part of the game, and they don't seem to understand that that's the fun part of the game. 
Because that's like the secondary thing that you do when you're not doing any of the missions. And the story missions, they're so scripted, they're not particularly fun. Like, the first mission, it's like a heist mission, which I should love, right? Absolutely. So there's this really expensive $2 million sports car in the back of this truck. And you have to drive and follow this truck. And eventually, when you get up to it, like in The Fast and the Furious, somebody jumps out of your car, jumps onto the truck, jumps in the back of the truck, and drives the expensive car out the back of the truck, and then you steal the truck. That's really fun and exciting, and it looks really cool. But what it amounts to is you're not really doing anything. You drive... The the whole thing is, there's a truck, it's driving. You drive up alongside it, which you have to drive really fast to get alongside it because it's moving pretty fast. As soon as you drive alongside it, a cutscene triggers where the person jumps out, so you don't even do any of that part. The person gets in, and then the person busts out of the back of the truck in the new car, and then you just drive the new car away from the truck. So while that all looks exciting, you're not really doing anything. You're just driving a car in a straight line, pretty much. So it's like almost designed to look cool for somebody who's watching it. But when you're playing it, you're like, oh, really? I'm not really doing anything. Why can't I actually be the guy who jumps out of the car, and why can't I climb up on the truck? Why is all that just a cutscene? So those parts are not that fun, but the actual open world is really fun. There's so many things to do. It reminds me of Burnout from back in the day, like Burnout Paradise, where you're just driving around the city and there's no time limits or anything. You're just, oh, I wonder what's over there. I'll climb up to the top of that mountain. Oh, when I'm looking off the top of the mountain, I can see some stuff I need to collect over there. They kind of, they know that you're not typical, right? Yeah, well, I always like to explore an open world, and they have delivered one here, but it's almost a secondary thing. If you don't, you don't really need to do it, but it's there. But I think they should capitalize on the open world and say to people, look, you should be exploring this world and collecting all this stuff. That's the fun bit, because the (laughs) missions are not that fun. Because I think it's fun. Everyone should think it's fun. So um, I like the game. It does have some technical issues on PC. There's some like weird loading issues where sometimes it doesn't load properly or sometimes it like stutters while you're playing, which is really annoying. Um, apparently they're going to fix all that. I'm still in the, um, like the mindset that that should be fixed before they give it people. Don't you think so? Well, like I if mean, they know that that's broken, like when they put it out. Sure. Ideally, that's, that's how every product would be, if yeah. you consider it a product. But and I know, like, games nowadays... live in a different world. Yeah, games can be patched, and they can fix stuff after the fact, and they've got their fiscal year and all that bullshit to keep up with, so they put them <laughs> out and then pit fix them later. I don't like that, because when it comes out, that's when you want to play it. And then when they fix it five months down the road, you don't care at that point, because you already played it. Broken. So, in your mind, it was always broken even though they might have fixed it. But the other EA game that I've been trying this week, which is out next week, but I got a free trial from EA, 10-hour trial, is Star Wars Battlefront 2, which the trial... Um, see, Star Wars Battlefront 2 this year has actually a single-player campaign, which it's never had before. It normally just has the multiplayer. But the, people complained last time and said, "Why well, this would be a good opportunity to tell a new Star Wars story. Why don't you have a story mode? And they've actually done a full story mode this year. And it's actually canon. in the st- They work with Lucasfilm and it's part of Star Wars. It takes place... It literally starts as Return of the Jedi is ending. Like you see the 
Spoilers. The Death Star blows up in the end of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Sorry, um, kids. Yeah. I mean, it is a film from 30 years ago. But, uh... 30? The Death how, Star... How old do you think you are? <laughs> well, uh, Return of the Jedi is 30 years old, surely, right? It's more than that. So, um... 80, 84, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. 40 years. Possibly. So... You see the Death Star blow up. Now, what's interesting is you play Inferno Squad. Uh, you play a character from Inferno Squad. And Inferno Squad are the bad guys. You're, you're an Imperial. So you see the Death Star blow up in the sky while you're on Endor, where all the Ewoks are at the end of Return of and the Jedi. And for you, that's bad. To me, yeah. I mean, for you've been programmed when you watch Star Wars. For your Wars. character... That's bad. You don't yeah. want to see your Death Star get blown up. Right. So she looks up in the air with a, a squad and they're like, oh, you know, let's let's take these rebels down. And then they look up in the air and there's the Death Star blowing up. And they're like, what are we supposed to do now? Like, we're stuck on this planet, uh, you know, Endor with these Ewoks and all these badass Jedis and, you know, um, rebels. And uh, so they escape Endor. And then the whole, you play in the game, uh, the story mode, as an imperial, like, commando, basically, like a mercenary. And, you know, you're killing rebels. <laughs> and it feels wrong to me. Like, it feel, it's weird playing from that side. I said to you, when I see a stormtrooper, I want to shoot it. <laughs> like, stormtroopers are ingrained in my mind as, like, that's the bad guy. You know, it's like when you play Wolfenstein. And uh, you're the you're the American guy, and then the guys with the Nazi symbols on them. Well, they're the guy. They're the bad guys immediately in your mind. They're the bad guys, the Nazis. Always. So in this, it's like you see the stormtroopers, and you you almost get an itchy trigger finger, and then you're like, no, they're my guys. So you're actually mowing down the rebels, which feels really wrong. You know, it's like, ah. But my uh, my, you only get to in the ten hour preview. They kind of lock the story out after the first three missions, and then they say, like, you know, buy the game to play the rest of the story, which I, you know, it makes sense because in 10 hours you'd probably finish the story and then maybe you wouldn't buy it, right? So you can go on and play the multiplayer. The multiplayer is like the Star Wars Battlefront multiplayer. There's loads of objectives. You play as, like, different one of the, you can play as the Rebels or the Empire. Uh, so you can. I like being a stormtrooper in that one. Actually, it's kind of cool against the other people. You can be the heroes, and they've got heroes from all eras this time, not just like, you know, they kept in the original to very specific ones. But in this one, Ray is in there, Kylo is in there, and then it even has like Luke and Yoda. You know, it goes through all the eras. So there's a bit of everybody in there. There's no Jar Jar Binks apparently. But he might be a DLC in the future. But um, it's out actually next weekend. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. I've still got about six hours left on my um, trial. So I'll be playing more of the multiplayer this week. Um, and if you're a Star Wars fan, it is insane. It is so well made. It's EA. Like, well, they, I'm talking about how bad they kind of are at making Need for Speed. They understand what Star Wars is supposed to be. The sound effects are all spot on. In fact, also this year, you don't just play ground troops, um, like running around like Call of Duty. You also play 
there's space battles. So you can be a TIE fighter or be an X-Wing. And there's giant space battles where you fly around. And space battles are cool because you can fly into big capital ships and land and get out and fight on foot and then get back in a ship and fly back out of the ship. So, you know, it's proper Star Wars. And it looks really good. And it sounds just like Star Wars because, obviously, it's all Lucasfilm um, approved. And... The actual campaign mode is canon in the Star Wars story, which, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, that I, that makes me instantly want to play this story because I want to know what happens in between Return of the Jedi and, uh, you know, The Force Let's Awakens. Let's be very honest with everyone. If you put Star Wars in front of anything, you're going to either eat it, watch it, drink it, experience it, play it. You're going, you're just going to do it. Yeah, but what they've done here is stepping above other people's, you know, actually getting it to be canon. There's also a novel that you can go and read about Inferno Squad that is actually takes place just before this game. So if you really want to get into it, you can go and read that novel as well. So um, yeah, Star Wars Battlefront 2 is actually out next week. And it's from EA. It's out on all platforms. So, Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Tonight for dinner will be leftover rice and... Homemade chili, veggie chili. The reason we tell you what we eat is because 10 years ago, we decided to stop eating meat, and we haven't eaten meat since. And so when I make chili, it's not all loaded up with, you know, ground up dead animal. It is, (laughs) not that I care, because when I go to my mother's, she makes two pots of chili. One for everybody who eats meat, and now she makes a bat for me that's veggie chili. And I think what I just made last night... I don't know about you, but I'm saying it was amazing, and we're going to have that leftover. Yeah, it was very yummy. And the way I make it is a can of stewed tomatoes, a can of beans of any kind you want. I use kidney beans in this one. Um, a can of something else tomatoey. Oh, a can of tomato soup, and a pack, half a packet of chili seasoning. Made sure it didn't have any. Some of them have beef broth and stuff. This didn't have any of that. It was just the different spices. Let it cook for a little while. Oh, a bag of frozen onions and peppers because I didn't want to cut them all up. And then I just make some rice, like jasmine rice, because you're British. And so British people put chili on rice. And we it do. happens to be delicious. And that's it. All right. So what is your advice? Tonight it is that um, I don't I don't know how to put it. Like two different things. You know, life is kind of like chaos. Right? You never know what's coming down the pipe. You can you can think you've mastered it. You know the straight line of your life. Yeah, this is what's going to be. But it's not going to be, right? People have problems. People die. There are illnesses. There are circumstances. There, you change your mind. Things go wrong. Things go right unexpectedly. So it's kind of chaos. And yet inside of that, little tiny nuggets of life, you can be more prepared. Like I'm learning slowly like i said i just turned 50 and i'm only just really learning that if i really want to be good at a thing and have it be enjoyable like for example this baking new baking adventure or making fondant decorations for cakes or anything like i do artwork as well but being prepared educating yourself learning all about it getting the right tools if you can or making do with what you have but just be prepared and get really good at it like focus in on that and then all the big chaos things seem a little more manageable 
And I'm not saying learn how to bake cookies and that'll make life better. I'm saying anything that you do. Well, right? l- if you learning how on... to bake cookies will make life better. <laughs> True. But like if you like working on motorcycles, you like working on cars, or you particularly like building computers, and you know by now, if you, like the other day, you swapped our computers into new cases. And to be prepared, you you worked an hour ahead of time. Getting all the stuff out, getting all lined up on the counter, getting the tools you need, get the bowl for your screws, get all that ready. And then the thing itself can feel like chaos if you're not ready. It could be like, <gasps> you know, but because you're prepared, yeah, mostly prepared, then when little things do go wrong inside of that project, which they always do when you're rebuilding a computer, you're mo- it's, it's like manageable. It's not all overwhelming and a big misery. Which I just hear people like, when I say about baking these cookies or make it, I just figured out how to make flowers with fondant. Never have done it my whole life. I happen to really love that kind of stuff. So I think that lends to being better at it, if I can say that. Um, people are like, oh, I could never do that. I could never do that. Well, I think it's that the prospect of the whole being too hard to manage. But if you chop it up into little bits and get good at and prepare little bits at a time it just makes the bigger stuff less chaotic to me also you should uh, say about you making your uh, cookies which you've been making all week what about it just some more detail on the uh, well i'm making sugar cookies and so i'm perfecting in the quotation marks a recipe so they don't spread out because i'm gonna make for the birthday party a little display of baby cookies a little display of the cassettes like i said that willie that do from a distance look like cassette tapes from the 80s with the mixtape label written on the top. I bought like, uh, what's it called? Wafer paper that you can eat. Yep. It's usually on the bottom of like those German cookies, but you can buy it on top. And I bought edible ink markers so you can write on this paper, stick it on the black fondant, which I cut. <laughs> I broke a cassette tape in half, cut the little section out of the bottom, the little weird trapezoid shape. Is that what it is? Yes. With the holes. Cut that part out and then cleaned it really good and then used that as my template. And I'm, I'm doing this as I'm talking, pressed it into the fondant so I had the same little lines and everything. And then poked the holes in the little thing. And from a distance, they look like cassette tape. So I'm really excited about that. And then, of course, next week or whenever this is all done, I'm moving on to another project, which will be sewing a bunch of pillows. So I'll figure out the best way to organize for that and get that done in a pleasurable way. I also, um, on um, Games and Ace Lawyer stuff, I didn't mention this, but um, as a big fan of Twin Peaks and uh, Sid Talk, I, I think would say you're a fan of Twin Peaks now as well, right? Uh-huh. After w- re- watching all of it this year. Yes. Um, Mark Frost, the uh, co-creator of Twin Peaks, has put out a new book called Twin Peaks, The Final Dossier, and I have been reading it this week. And if you're familiar with the third season of Twin Peaks... Um, there's a character in there played by Chris DeBell called Tammy Preston. And what this is, is it's a official FBI document from Tammy Preston to Gordon Cole, who's played by David Lynch in the show. And she is wrapping up all the loose ends of this Blue Rose case, as they call it. And each chapter of the book, if you've watched the show, Uh, the third season, and you've finished watching it, and you've got some questions, well, most of the questions from the show will be answered in this book. And each chapter, like, covers a different... Even things you hadn't thought of. Even things you haven't thought of. Like, 
what happened to Audrey? Or what happened to, um, who do you like? What's he, what's he called? The uh, sheriff, um, Harry Truman. Yeah, Harry Truman mm-hmm. or Hawk. What happened to Hawk? Hawk you know? Yeah, Hawk's my favorite. Um, you know, and each chapter is a, a actual like FBI document that she's wrote about each person and what happened to the log lady and and it tells you what happened to them, you know, at the end of season three. Like how it's like the ending of the show, but in book and the show, the show is very open at the end, right? I don't want to spoil the show, but. There's a lot of questions at the end that you could ask. Sure. And this fills in a lot of those questions. It doesn't fill in the questions of the big thing, (laughs) you know, the big Twin Peaks mystery. But it does tell you, you know, if you've got some, like, peripheral characters, like um, Miss Twin Peaks, for instance, that lady. What happened to her, for instance? You're thinking, where did she go? Or, you know, where did Annie go? Well, all that is answered in this book. It's called Twin Peaks, The Final Dossier. It's written by Mark Frost, so it's official Twin Peaks lore. And uh, it's actually only uh, $9.99 on Amazon, so you can pick it up. I think there's an audiobook version if you don't like reading. So why not if you're a Twin Peaks fan? So, uh, yeah, that's it. We want to remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com and sidtalk.com. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Catch this podcast on the Google Play Store the iTunes store, or the RSS feed. Go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can also say, Alexa, listen to After the Show movie podcast on TuneIn. Getting the latest episode <laughs> of After the Show movie podcast. And, uh, from and your... Um, Alexa, stop. Your Amazon uh, I don't know if they heard that, because she's way over there. Yeah, I think you can hear it on the mic. But yeah, as you see, it it started playing the latest episode. So that's all you need to say. That's your uh, trigger for it. I probably triggered everybody's um, device just then. <laughs> uh, so yeah, email aschoolie at com. Don't email Sid Talk. She really has no interest Unless in Unless you really want to know about cookies. And um, finally, Stay Classy Pixar. Because um, that new movie that there is a trailer for on this um, called Coco. Actually, it looks really cool. It's like a very different. It's almost like um, Brave, like where they went somewhere really different with something with it. Mm-hmm. I like that. So yeah, Coco is the new Pixar, and stay classy, Pixar. And I'm gonna say, think for yourself, because if you don't, someone will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>